Good morning. Just before I begin, let me just ask you a um, question. If you are a veteran, uh, veteran of military service in our country, would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Um, we can't say thank you enough, and um, thank you for your serving our country. We deeply, deeply appreciate it, and we continue to say thank you to God for you, and we'll continue to thank uh, and pray for those who continue to serve, uh, continue to serve our country. I want to show you a photograph this uh, morning, and you may have no not noticed it when you walked into the church this morning, but there is a new tree that was planted last Sunday. And the tree is off to my right on the Circle Drive. It's just a little tree. It's got a pink ornament on it. And if you look down at the bottom of the base of the tree, you'll notice that this tree has been donated in loving memory of Eva Juneja. Eva Juneja uh, passed away this year, uh, this last year. And when she died, she was 18 18 months old. I had the special uh, ministry task of being with her family and sharing in her celebration of her life. Her parents, Fahar and Jamie Juneja, are members of our church family. And Eva was born with a rare genetic uh, condition that had, had a terminal prognosis. So at the moment that Eva was born, they knew that her life would be a short life. But what was really remarkable about Eva's parents is that Eva's parents poured every moment of love into her life and loved her as fully as any parent would ever love a child. And her mother told me, uh, Jamie told me, that one of the blessings of her short life was that she never ever really experienced sadness or never experienced evil or lost her innocence in this life she only knew love as you can imagine her parents when they lost her were just absolutely heartbroken heartbroken so this this last sunday at 2 p.m uh, a group of people special group of people who walked with Jamie and Fahar through this experience through the last 18 months, actually from the time before the new, before she was going to be born, her small group, uh, Matt and Melissa Janes, and some other young couples that supported this family, they met and prayed and planted this tree. And this little ornament that was placed on the tree uh, was put there by one of Eva's friends who is now six years old, Matt and Melissa Jane's daughter, Emma Jane's. Now, Matt told me he was said, he says, I'm not sure if she thought it was a Christmas tree or not, but she made this ornament and put it there because she wanted to remember her and honor Eva's life. The reason I begin this story this morning is to talk to you about what it's like to be a part of a powerful community. Jesus is never more present when we show love and care for one another. Jesus is never more present when we gather around each other when strangers become friends and family. 
And though uh, this small group, and though our church could never, ever take away Jamie and Fahar's sadness, they made their sadness bearable and experienced the love of God through that powerful little community. One of the things that you will notice when you read the book of Acts, and that's what we've been talking about this month, and what we're talking about is is the, the early church could be described as a glad and generous people. It says in Acts chapter 2, it says that they gathered together in each other's homes, they shared life together, they broke bread together, and they lived these glad and generous lives. And later on in the fourth chapter, it says that people were amazed at them, amazed at the power of their community, amazed by the way they were living their lives, and people were being added to their number and the church was growing because of their community. And it says that people then remembered, and I love this line, it says, when they saw how they lived and did life together, they then remembered that they had been in the presence of Jesus. When we love each other, when we are generous with each other, when we share life with each other, people can see that we have been in the presence of Jesus. And so I, I want to share with you a story. It's, and, and so Luke, who wrote Acts, gives us these two examples, these two really interesting examples, one positive and one negative of what I'm talking about. Uh, the first is of somebody named Barnabas, and the second is an example of someone named Ananias. And I want to illustrate a point about generous living and community through these two people. If you look in chapter 4, verse 32, this is what it says. It says, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. They were radically, outrageously generous with one another. And the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. Notice that. That God's blessings are poured upon us when we live together in community, generously sharing and doing life together, and sharing our core message of Jesus Christ crucified, buried, raised from the dead, and living in us. And it says, there was no needy people among them. And by needy, you could say grieving, hurting, lost, all kinds of ways of being needy. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. They were outrageously generous. And here's the example. For instance, there was Joseph, the one of the apostles named, nicknamed Barnabas. Which means son of encouragement. Well, what a great nickname. What a, what a great thing to be called. To be called a son of encouragement. And he was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. And he sold the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now that's the positive example of someone who got life from being generous. Here's the negative example. I have actually never ever preached on this story because it's such a horrific story actually. But I decided it's, it's true. The, the truth of what I'm about to read to you is that people who are generous find life. It's the paradox of generosity. 
People who are generous with their time, their talent, their self, and share life with other people get life. But those who hoard and keep to themselves, they die. So we have a choice before us. We can have glad and generous hearts, or we can have cold, stingy, dead hearts. I was going to call the sermon Stingy stingy Dead Heart, but I said, oh, that's not very good. But here's the story. I'm just going to read it to you. Listen to what happens. But there was a certain man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphariah, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. So it was deceptive. They were, they were deceptive. We're going to do what Barnabas did. We're going to sell our property, but, and we're going to tell everybody it's all of it. We're going to give all the money, but we're just going to keep back a little bit for ourselves. And then Peter said, Ananias... Why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us but to God. Now, I don't know what the sin is. Was it the lying and the deception or the greed? What was it? You know what happens? Oh, it's not a good story. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. And everyone heard about it was terrified. Then some of the young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. They didn't even wait for his wife to get home. They just took him out and buried him. Wife comes home. The rest of the story is, Sephariah comes home. Where's Ananias? Well, we buried him about two hours ago. Why? Because he was stingy and held back the money. And you knew about it too. And you know what happens to her? She falls over dead. And they bury her too. Now, I don't know what to do with this story, honestly. It's probably not the most effective passage. I don't know. It could be an effective passage for preaching during a generosity emphasis. I don't know. Give or die. But it's true. It is a true story in the sense, let's use it for a metaphor then. People who give get life. Those who hold lose life. That's the paradox. There's a great quote, and this is my first point this morning, is the more generous we are, the more happiness, the more health and purpose in life that we enjoy. It comes from a book called The Purpose of Generosity. And that leads me to my second point, which is that gladness... Gladness always follows generosity. Always. I have never met an unhappy, generous person. In my own life, I have never, ever regretted being generous or giving myself away or giving something away or being generous. The only things I ever have ever regretted that I regret or those opportunities that pass me by when I could have been generous and when I wasn't. Yesterday I went to Center College to visit my son. Uh, we bought him a bunch of groceries. I took him some new clothes. Uh, we bought him lunch. It was a pretty expensive little morning for me. I had $18 in my pocket. 18 to a 10 and 5 and three ones. 
he, as we were, getting, we were getting ready to leave, he goes, Dad, I got a date tonight. Do you have any money you could let on me? I opened up my wallet. I said, I've got a 10, 5, and 3 ones. And I said, you can have the 10. He said, what about the rest of it? <laughs> and, I said, and I said to him, I need $8. I got in the car on the way home, and Teresa said, well, did you give him the 18? I said, no, I gave him 10. She said, why don't you just give him all of it? I said, I don't know. <laughs> and the rest of the way home, I regretted it. There was a, was a book written called um, The Paradox of Generosity. And according to sociologists Christian Smith and Hillary Davidson in their book, The Paradox of Generosity, they said there is a scientific and arguable connection between generosity and happiness. They surveyed 2,000 individuals comprised of 40 families in 12 different states from all different classes and races. And over a five-year period, of a, they surveyed them over a five-year period about their spending habits and their lifestyles. And the persons who identified as very happy were those who reported volunteering 5.8 hours per month. Among those who donated more than 10% of their income were the most happy people who reported lower depression rates and people who were generous had healthier lives. Let me tell you a story I love. This is the story of two people who deeply loved each other, Don and Marilyn Fleming. Don and Marilyn married for 20 or more years. Don passed away in 2014. Marilyn was on the search committee that called me, and I remember when we came here and our first Easter with the church, they had an Easter egg hunt at their house. And Marilyn and Don are wonderful, hospitable people, so generous. They invited my family to come. And Marilyn had found a refrigerator box. And this is the refrigerator box, and they put it out in the backyard for the kids to play in. And I'll never forget this. If you see the little boy at the back of the box with his head just popping up like that, that's my son who's now a student in college in the back of that box. Well, Don and Marilyn Fleming in 2005 began a ministry in our church called the marriage mentoring ministry and in the marriage mentoring ministry what they do is couples in our church that are getting married before they get married in our church go through a mentoring process where we match them with a couple who then spend eight sessions reading a book together talking about married life and almost every couple that have been mentored in the last 10 11 years have gone been been married here have gone through this process in fact, I want to show you three photographs of three couples. In fact, you may recognize the tall one is the currently the University of Louisville basketball coach. Uh, that was me when I was going through uh, chemotherapy. At, at one point, I had no hair. That's David and Megan Pageant. Megan's father's here this morning. But they mentored 23 couples. Think about that. I have some things I call Flemingisms. These are some things that they tell the couples. People are matched perfectly for the gifts they bring each other. The sacredness of our relationships is determined by how much respect and honor we show them. The key to long-term relationships is letting someone be different today than they were yesterday. I love this one. We do simply more than get married. 
we pray for God to unite our hearts to enter the marriage and to make it a blessing to the world. And God has an answer to every problem the moment that it occurs. When I remember when I found out that Don had passed away, uh, it hurt my heart so much. He was such a wonderful man. He was traveling with a church group. And Marilyn, uh, Marilyn, who is here this morning, and Marilyn uh, went through the fog of grief and the sadness for a very, very long time. And the sadness will never leave her. But I want to share something with you. This is the secret of generosity. Her and Don gave their life away. 23 couples, 8 sessions, their time, their generous life away. And the joy and the gladness that came from that is in those couples that are now raising children. And it's a joy that will always be a part of Marilyn's life. When Marilyn feels sadness about losing Don, all she has to do is just dip, dip her heart into the gladness of how they were able to give their life away. And so, you know what, last night, last night I came up to the church and every seat in this room was taken and people were standing everywhere. There were, the parking lot was full of cars because there was a wedding here last night and Marilyn mentored her 24th couple. Gladness always follows generosity. And you know what unleashes generosity in people? It's when people come together and they have a cause. They have a, something that's important when they have a sense of higher purpose. And that's my third thing I want to say this morning. Is that when we're able to leash onto a, connect to a higher purpose. Something that's bigger than ourselves. It's the difference between making a donation and making a gift and being generous. What I love about this early church is it says that they were united in mind. They were united in heart. And they held things in common together. And because they had this common purpose, this genuine love for one another, this love for Jesus, because they had this message to proclaim, there were this bold, outrageously generous church that sold property, donated property to meet people's needs. And why was it? They weren't united in heart and mind in terms of what they believed. They were united in heart and mind in serving. Mind meaning the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ being one to give his life for others. They were caught up in this higher sense of purpose. And it produced this church that was powerfully, outrageously, undeniably generous. And because of that power, they attracted people to the church, to Jesus. I would share this with you. We all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different places. We all believe different things. We all vote for different people. We all belong to different um, universities. We all root for different teams. We even have people here this morning that root for the Cornhuskers. There's a whole bunch of Nebraska students sitting there. They came back last year. From last year, they're here this weekend. Um, we come from so many different places. But what is it that unites us? It's our love for God. It's our love for Jesus that is bigger 
than all those little differences. And so that's why, as a church, I know, this is why I know as a church, that you are going to generously support our church, that you're going to make an estimate of giving for the church, because you are here because you believe in who we are. You believe in what we stand for. That we are a church that preaches the unconditional love of God for Jesus Christ and for all people. That we are trying to bring people together from different backgrounds and different places to make our table bigger rather than smaller. We live in a world where everyone's trying to shrink the table. We're trying to enlarge the table. You know, we belong to a church that wants to wants to reach and touch our community. And so many wonderful things are happening. Do, do you know what happened last week? Last week, one of our church volunteers hung up on someone three times. Do you know why they hung up on him three times? Because this person kept calling and saying, I need to speak to Bill Wilson. I'm calling on behalf of Big Ass Solutions. And I'm calling about a big ass fan. <laughs> she hung up the phone, Barbara. It's okay, Barbara. It's all right. I would have hung up too. She hung up three times. So finally, Bill Wilson gets an email from Big Ass Solutions, who sells big ass fans. It's a real company. And says, I've been trying to reach you, but every time I call the office, they keep hanging up on me. <laughs> That's just. We, I saw a copy of a check that we wrote last week for, as a church for $4,800 to Big Ass Solutions. Why? Because we shipped two Big Ass fans down to Honduras. And on the side of one of those Big Ass fans will be a plaque donated to Roger and Marilyn McAllister. One Big Ass fan donated in honor of Marilyn and Roger McAllister. What are we doing with those fans? Those fans are to help a hospital that we support. This is a church that volunteers at Uspiritus this, for children who come from foster care homes. This is a church that built a home for uh, a member of our church family who's brain injured. This is a church that opened Buddy Break for children with learning needs, special learning needs. It's now extending itself to a second campus and a second site. This is a church in the new year that we're going to expand and grow the Learning Center, which is a tutoring service for kids that help kids who are struggling in school to be successful. So many ways that we're generous. So many ways. That's why we do it. We do it because we, we are here because we love our church. We're, we don't fill out an estimate of giving card because we want to fund a budget. Too small a goal. We want to resource a ministry because we want to do this together. And one of the things I want to point out to you then, my next point, is that transformative generosity, when it's sacrificial, is sacrificial. That when people make sacrifices to be generous, when you make a sacrifice and I make a sacrifice to be generous, it changes us because it requires something of us. It means we have skin in the game. And that early church, because they were so sacrificially generous, 
they were able to open the eyes to an unbelieving world to the power of Jesus who lived a sacrificial life. The next thing I would say, though, don't forget this. My next big point is that being generous involves money, but generosity is also so much more than that. Being generous involves our time. It involves our attention. It involves our influence. It involves our encouragement. You know what's one of the best ways that you can be generous? Is to encourage a stranger that you meet in the grocery store. Offer a kind word of encouragement. Or maybe it's a teenager. You see a teenager walking around the church and walk up and say to that teenager, you're so smart. You're scary smart. Look how smart you are. I just can't wait to see what God's going to do with you and with your life. That's being generous. You can be generous with your forgiveness. You can be generous with your kindness. You can be generous with your politics. This, this last year, um, I have seen relationships crumble over politics and division and harsh words between people. But you can be generous toward people that you disagree with. You can find out why they believe what they believe. You can listen to them. You can show kindness to them. There's so many different ways to be generous. I know I heard of a man who is a barber who goes to the men's shelter and gives free haircuts. I heard of a hairstylist who goes and visits shut-ins at her church and styles their hair. I heard of someone who has a neighbor who is older and has trouble uh, working in the yard and goes out every day and takes the trash cans out and takes them back for them. So many ways that you can be generous. Did you know that we have people in our church family who have no children of their own but who volunteer every weekend in children's ministry. Speaking of our veterans, we have the thing called the Honor Flight here in Kentucky. Uh, Doug Foster's been very involved with the Honor Flight. And did you know that people who go on the Honor Flight are mostly World War II veterans, and now uh, Korean War veterans, and now Vietnam War veterans? They go for free. But the guardian who goes and watches after the veteran who walks with them the entire day, responsible for their caregiving, pays for the air flight and for the cost of the trip somewhere around $400 to $500 to go on the trip. There are so many ways to be generous. So many ways that you can give your time, your talent, and your energy. So I know some people who are generous there are so many nonprofits around town who do a lot of work with very, very little money to do it. And I know of accountants who go and volunteer at these nonprofits to help the poor with their taxes. I know of people who offer their time and their expertise and business to help these nonprofits thrive and succeed. But why do we do it? Why, do, why is this important? This is important because we live in a culture that is institutionalized selfishness and personal entitlement. 
And it is destroying the fabric of our culture and our nation. At one time, we had the greatest generation. And today, I might argue, it has been replaced with the most selfish generation. And this lack of generosity, this selfishness, this entitlement is what produces emptiness, anxiety, depression, obesity, and addiction. And the antidote for our suffering is not holding, but giving. My last point then, this morning, is that you can't become a generous person by accident. It requires an intentional, directed effort to become a generous person to resist the urge of our culture to take care of ourselves.